Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. An intro for our new series that's going to start next week. Each of you received one of these cards, or you should have received one of these cards. Um, it says fill in the blank. That's what we're calling that series. Um, discovering how... How can you find God's will for your life? How can you find God's purpose for your life? We don't think it should be that complicated. Yet at the same time, like every single one of us, we have blanks to fill in in life. And you have, you everyone, has ways that you try to go about figuring those things out. But at the same time, you're kind of like, is this God's will? I don't know. And so we want to dive into that and kind of uh, set us on the right path to figuring that out. And here's the other thing. This is why I'm giving these to you. These are invite cards. This is, I mean, and some of you are like a reminder to yourself. Oh yeah, I got church next week. Here's what we're talking about and that sort of stuff. And that's good. But this is for you to, to invite other people. And this is kind of um, a thing that I want to double down on as a pastor and as a leader uh, for Freedom Church. Um, we, we want to be a, a, an outreaching church that we come here, but we want to try to do our best to provide a welcoming place for you to invite your friends. And so we're, we're just, here's one. Maybe God lays one person on your heart, invite them. And then on the back, this is my most common way of inviting people. This is just me. So I was just like, this is how I do it. I say, come and check it out. <laughs> you don't have to believe what we believe. You don't even have, just come and see. You'll know. You will know if you like it or not. Many of you have. You've continued to come back. And if this is your first time here, thank you for coming and checking it out. Um, we are going to round out a, a, our series today on dealing with difficult people. Have you guys been enjoying this series? Anybody? Like one person. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I will, uh, I'll make a note of that. I appreciate the enthusiasm there. No, I, it's been a, it's been a, a man that just really kicking me because we've, as we've talked about dealing with people addicted to their phone, dealing with critical people who are speaking toxic words to us, dealing with hypocritical people in our lives. There's been kind of like this common uh, theme that's been threaded through this whole thing leading up to today. And it's like, I am a difficult person. I deal with those things. And today, the topic is dealing with the most difficult person that you know, and that is you. The most difficult person that you know is the person in, in the mirror. And I know some of you are like, wait, time out, time out. First, um, this is my first time to uh, Freedom Church, and my friend invited me, and I'm just finding out that we're dealing with difficult people. Now I'm questioning our friendship, okay? Like, what is going on here? Uh, some of you are like, Mike, you have not met my mother-in-law, okay? Teenagers are like, uh, exhibit A and B, mom and dad. You, you haven't met them, the most difficult people I know. But if there's a common thread in all of your relationships, if there's a common thread in the decisions and the ones that frustrate you and the things that you've done that you've regretted, it's you. And here's why I know that you are the most difficult and why we all struggle with this is because nobody knows you like you know you. You know your thoughts. You know your motives. You know the things that you've said. You know what you did last summer. That's a 90s joke. You know 
the, the, the things that just get you triggered and, and going in a bad direction. Ladies, you look in the mirror and you hate what you see. You literally hate it. We can put on a mask here, but deep down in our soul, we know we struggle with these things and we are overwhelmed with pressure, stress, anxiety, depression. Some of us so much, if we were honest, in a room this size, we wanted to kill ourselves. We've thought about it. Some of us have thought about it. Some of us have attempted it. And it's rough. It's raw. And why I want to talk about it today, whatever level of spectrum that you deal with it, because we all do, is that God does have a plan and a purpose for your life. And if we stay stuck in this negative self-hate, self-rejection cycle, you will never live the life that God has called you to live. We will settle for something way less. And I believe God has something for you so much bigger and so much better. So today I want to focus on two things. I want to focus on one, why. We got to, go to, a, we got to travel to a dark area for a little bit, okay? We got, we got to get to the heart and the soul a little bit of why do we struggle with self-hate? But then... I believe there's a lot of hope in this that I want to I gear us towards the right path on being able to overcome. I want to, maybe you don't overcome it today, but we get you set on the right path to being able to overcome these things. And this isn't new to us. It's been throughout scripture. I, there's, there's a lot of different areas in scripture where I could go today. I want to go to Romans chapter 7. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 7. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen. If you have your Bible app on your phone, you can, obviously you can look it up there, but you can click on the more uh, tab and you can click on events and you'll get my notes uh, from today's talk will be right there too that you can take notes as well. But Paul says this. He, Paul is writing to the church in Rome if you don't know about Paul, he wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. We get a lot of our theology from, from Paul. But this is, this is an author of the Bible, and this is what he has to say. He, say, he says this in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 21. He says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law. He says, I love the Bible. I love scripture. I love God. I love it with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This is a battle that takes place in your mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still, still within me. I want to take a quick time out. Because some people have this idea, if I give my life to Christ, I'm going to get rid of this addiction. I'm going to get rid of this lust, this thought pattern, this behavior, and all these things. No! You're still you. Like, your eternity has been changed forever. That's awesome. But I'm still me. I still, I still have this struggle. So if you struggle today, you're human. Okay? You got blood running through your veins. It's okay not to be okay. We just don't want you to stay that way. We want you to take next steps and, and get better. But you don't have to have it all figured out. In fact, if you're perfect here, please leave. All right? No perfect people allowed here. We're all working to get better. He says, this is a, it's still within me. Oh, oh, what a miserable person I am. There it is. The self-hate. The I don't like myself right now. 
Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? If we don't get this, Freedom Church, we, we sabotage God's plans and purposes for our life. So let's talk about some reasons as to why. If you're taking notes, why do we hate ourselves? Number one is comparison. What we see, what we look at and what we see and what we compare. Anybody, whenever you do Google Maps and you, you say, I want to go from point A to point B, and it gives you the route, and then you, you click start, and then it gives you the estimated time of arrival, right? Anybody with me on like, oh, no, we are totally beating that. Like, we're, it's, it is on. We are racing. It is a competition, Google, and you are going down, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know why that we, we, we have this idea that we want to compete. We want to compare. I don't know um, if, if maybe you grew up in a family that was like that, where it was like, hey, why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't your sister, why can't you, why he, she's smart, why can't you be more like her and achieve like them? And we're constantly comparing. Moms, you have this a lot. Like, their kids, they eat organic, they're dressed perfect. Your kids, like, got a Pop-Tart this morning and they dress like they're homeless. You know, you, you showed up with two out of three and you're like, we will find the third one later this afternoon. I don't know where they are, are at. We, we, we stress ourselves out over these things and we compare. We, we compare when it comes to social media. Like, if you ever needed to be able to quantify how many people like this person, like, you can see it now. And, of course, you look, and like, they're beautiful. Their vacation, amazing. You know, they got the perfect outfit. And they got all of this stuff, and it looks so great. And then you look, and you see, well, they got more likes than I do. They got more friends. They got more comments. They got more followers. All these things. And then when you finally, like, maybe you eclipse them, and you're like, ha, 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 I made it above you. There's always someone with more, right? And, and now we compare. And a lot of us, we will get our self-worth off of the things that happen through social media. Maybe we compare when it comes to our relationship with God. We see other people in their prayers. It's like, well, they got an awesome prayer life. They know, they know scripture. They've got it memorized. They know it front and back. And I, 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 don't, I don't even, I barely even know where to go. I don't even know where to start. Or some of you guys, like you're trying to just live like perfect. You're comparing everything to perfection. Like everything has to be right in the house. Everything has to be right with your grades. And perfection is the only standard. And when you can't hit perfection, we start to feel like we're less than. And of course, God's standard. What's God's standard? Holiness, perfection. I can't ever meet that. Scripture says, says this in Galatians chapter 6. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. And you're looking at your life and you're saying, I can't say job well done right now. Can I, I know we're traveling to some not fun places. Let me just give you a quick time out. Our mission at this church is to help people take the next step in their relationship with Jesus together. Just one step. If you, want to, if you want to say job well done or God to look at you today and say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Job well done. Just come out of today taking one step. Let God speak to your heart today. 
point out something in your mind, something that is going on that you need to maybe stop, maybe something you need to start, maybe something you need to just shift and pivot your direction in, in, in the course that you're going. Just take one step today. The last thing I want you to think is you've got to have it all together. You're like, oh, I want to be like way over here. Well, it probably took you a while to get where you were at. So maybe you're on Google Maps today and you're just pressing the start button. We're like redirecting a new path. That's okay. One step, job well done. Job well done. You can take pride in that. And God's cheering you on. Second reason as to why we struggle with self-hate. Criticism. That's not what we see. That's what others say. I was a point guard for my high school basketball team growing up. Now, I always wanted to be an NBA player, but my genetics kind of limited me in that. Didn't quite have the talent, nor the height, nor the skill. But in high school, I was all right. I could, uh, I could, um, I'm, I don't know why you guys were laughing at that. That wasn't a joke. Um, I could dribble around the, my defender. And what would happen was I, I, I could beat the guy off the dribble, and the lane to the basket would just open up. So, amazingly, it was just like, there it is, an easy layup. I would never register in my brain that the Giants that are in the paint would do that on purpose every single time. They're like, yeah, let the little guy come right on in. And as soon as I would jump up to finger roll the layup, out of here, you know, every time. And probably like after the 20th time in practice one time, I'll never forget my coach, and I love him, but he was like, he blew the whistle, timeout, break. You are the dumbest smart kid I know. Why do you drive into the paint and get it blocked every time? I'm like, I don't know, coach. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why that stuck. We have criticism that we talked about a couple weeks ago that we either, some of it we do need to listen to, the people who are trying to encourage us, the people that are trying to help us out. Like, we know their motives. They're actually, they can help. They've been there before. They have the experience. We want to take that in. We actually crave that type of criticism. It's hard to hear, but we want that. Then, then there's others where we need to answer it. Because maybe there's, they're open to change, but there's, they're missing something. There's like a gap in, they need to, you like, they're missing information. Answer it. And then you can kind of help them see that. But then, quite honestly, there's a lot of criticism that we just need to dismiss. Not the person, but the words. And criticism, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Words hurt. And they hurt a lot. But when we're talking about God's purpose in your life, the quickest way, the quickest way for you to lose focus on what God says about you is to focus on what other people say about you. So if we harbor criticism, we hold that in, the ones that we should be dismissing, it's going to thwart us and eventually it'll lead us to blame. We will blame ourselves. Some of you, I don't know your story, but you've, 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 your marriage has, has gone off the rocks. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe your kids have gone crazy. Maybe you had uh, lost a job or something has gone awry with finances. But if you don't stop blaming yourself for these things, maybe you had a role in it, but God's not wanting to sit there and blame you. Over and over and over again. If we don't get a hold of these things and start blaming ourselves, we will start hating ourselves. Which leads to the last thing is shame. And that's what we feel. Blame is what we say to ourselves and shame is what we uh, 
is what we feel. When Rita and I first started uh, dating, we had been dating for about one month. Things were going great. And I had, I had feelings. Now, I, I, this is a sermon for another time. My definition of love was like here. Her standard for love was like way up here, okay? Mine was like, ooh, I got feelings. Um, we'll talk about that in, uh, I think after Easter, we're going to do a marriage series um, on, on relationships. But um, we, got the, we, we finished our date, and um, I'm saying, we're saying goodbye, and I'm giving her a hug. And because I have feelings, after about one month of dating, I, I, we go in, we give a hug, and I say, I love you. If that's about the response that I got, there was like nothing. It was like, thanks. <laughs> and uh, I knew. I was like, we said goodbye. I got back into the car, and I'm like, idiot. I mean, it was like, that was not how I thought it to go. I said, I love you. She said, thanks. I've ruined it. Like, and I knew like, this was not good at all. You could just sense the tension just like that. And I'm like, this is done. We're done. And, and so for about a week, we didn't even correspond with, with one another. And I'm just throwing this. I'm, I'm like, break, you're the dumbest smart kid that I know. You, you, you get something good. You screw it up. You've done it again. You're going to spend your life alone. Like what, the blame game, the shame game. And it's just like just snowballing for a week. And I'm just killing myself over what I did, what I said, and how I've blown it again. Until, until I got home from work about a week later and sitting sitting on my door, like tucked into the window, was this exact card, this little tiny card. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? What is this? It says Mike. And I open it up, and it's got this two little bears, and they're hugging each other. And it says, you and me make a perfect hug. And it says, hope this card brings you a smile to your day, thinking of you, Rita. Now, notice it doesn't say love you. <laughs> it says thinking of you. But I'm like, yes, I am back in the game, baby. I think a lot of us, we play that game with God. We play the shame game where we've screwed up, where we've messed up. And some of you have grown up with what I call guilt God. Guilt God is the one that controls you with fear, shames you, and keeps you all wrapped up because you screwed up. Like you've heard, you know, you go to church, you went to church and you heard, God loves you. But you kind of knew really deep down inside that guilt God, he didn't really like you at all. Like he's waiting for you to just screw up so he can just tell you how bad you are and how bad you messed up. And I would guarantee you that most of you, if you grew up with guilt God, and there are people all around Los Alamos who have grown up with guilt God, and what did they do and what did you do? You went far away from guilt God. You wanted nothing to do with guilt God. And can I tell you, if that was you today, if you're watching online today, can I tell you, good. Guilt God does not exist. Guilt God is a fake God. Our God is not trying. The God of Christianity is not sitting there shaming people, saying, oh, you're, 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 you're going to be just tied up in shame and, and, and stuck in your shame and condemning and pointing you down. No, our God wants you free. 
Our God wants you taking next steps moving forward. Our God can look at your shame and your disappointments and your failures and your mistakes and says, Hey, I can redeem that. Don't stay stuck in your shame. I can take that and use that. You're not, you don't see it, but I can use it. That was evil. That was not good. That was not okay, but let's not stay there. Let's move forward. Why do we struggle with self-hate? Why? I'm such a miserable person. Who's going to save me? I need rescuing. Paul knew that. He's like, I can't rescue me. Money, success can't rescue me. I need a rescuer. That's what the whole gospel is about. Not to stay stuck in your sin and your shame, but to find freedom in life. And he says this. He says in the next verse, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You can get excited about that because that is our hope. That is our only hope is that we have a Savior who doesn't want us stuck in finding our identity and comparing to other people, who doesn't want us stuck in criticism, who doesn't want us blaming and shaming ourselves. No, he has something new. So how do we overcome? And again, I want to say this again. We're going to, I'm going to talk about three steps here as we kind of round out and this isn't going to solve it. Like you're going to get out of here today and you're like, you're still going to struggle. You're like, oh, what a miserable person I am. This is going to help get you on the right path. It's going to take time to get where we need to go, but this is going to get you headed in the right direction. And believe me, this dovetails right into the series that we're going to spend four weeks on and fill in the blanks. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Please come to that because we're going to get you on the right path with what God has called you to do. The first thing is embrace community. Embrace community. I got a list of seven things here I want to read through. I want you to see if you've ever felt or resonated with any of these. Number one, high rates of anxiety. Number two, trouble sleeping. Three, chronic and overwhelming feelings of sadness. Number four, feelings of hopelessness and even depression. Five, panic attacks. Six, increasing rates of nervousness. Seven, anger having imaginary arguments with people in your mind over and over. Did anyone ever feel any of these things, resonate with some of these things? Okay, some of us, yeah, okay, okay. Um, I was reading an article where it was talking about people who um, kind of were, were suffering from these things. You want to know what the article was about? They were like, was it people who didn't embrace community? Um, sort of. <laughs> they were kind of forced to. It was an article dealing with people who were put into um, solitary confinement. This is what people who were put into solitary confinement, um, they were found to be struggling with on a regular basis. And I'm like, I'm leading to this list, and I'm like, the anxiety is just like clenching my chest because I'm like, I, that's me. I, I, I see myself here. I struggle here. Shame. Our shame. We've been holding on to shame, and it keeps us from embracing the community. Some of us, we are so overwhelmed with, with things in our life, and, and our busyness. we got to go busy, 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 and we fail to embrace uh, community. Anybody in here, uh, um, I think we're kind of turning the page on this, tired of shoveling snow? Yeah, yeah, okay. I got, um, this was back in January, right around the new year, when we got the like two feet of snow that came in. Some of you guys were on vacation during then. I, you guys have awesome vacations, but anyway, that's another story. But um, shoveling so the first day, it all came down. I'm like, man, we are stuck here for a while. And so I made a mistake. I, I played in the snow day one. I was like, I'll shovel the driveway on day two. 
Um, and for those of you who have been shoveling, you've learned shovel it as soon as it comes, right? Because it is so much lighter day one. Day two, what? You are working up a sweat. I did not know on day two that you could actually sweat through a winter coat, but I sure enough did. So I'm out there and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going and it's, it's not looking good. I'm huffing and puffing, and I, it's just like I'm barely even making a dent. My wife, she comes out. I'm like, this is awesome. A couple that shovels together stays together, right? You know, I'm just like, this is great, cranking it out. But I'm, like, after a few minutes, I'm still, I'm like, I'm dying, and we're still not making, making a, a dent in this thing. Then I notice my neighbor, and he's got his little fancy, not his little fancy, He's got his fancy, big, fancy snowblower, and he's just going to town. He's grinning. He's happy. You know, he's like, Sue, snowblower, snow, bring it on. And I'm like dying. And so like in my head, I'm like, oh, it must be nice. It must be nice to have a snowblower and just all this sort of stuff, you know, because that's what we do. When we, when we take on all this shame, we start criticizing other people. We see them happy. We see them, and we got to knock them down a few notches, right? So then I noticed he, he starts coming down the sidewalk. He starts coming down in, in our direction. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was like, wow, oh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, just maybe. He sees, he sees a struggling brother. And he's like, hey, need some help. And sure enough, he gets right down to the end. He, 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 he gets to the, to the sidewalk and he stops it. He looks up. He goes, you need some help? And I had a moment. This is what I want to bring up in this illustration. I had a moment where pride came up. Good. <laughs> Thanks. I'm good. I almost said that. <laughs> it was there. I'm fine. But I said, really? He said, yeah. And that dude came over and cleared our driveway in five minutes in what had taken us an hour to get done. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Like I was like, I'm dying in my driveway shoveling snow. I can't believe this is how I'm gonna die. And this guy comes and he saves me. I was so thankful. I think a lot of us, when it comes to community, like, hey, can I help you? I mean, we got connect groups and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You may not find the community that you're looking for right away, but that's the, that's the end goal that we're pursuing. With relationships, what? Slow is fast. It takes time to build relationships. It takes time to build community. But so many of us, we just go, I'm fine. We're carrying our shovel. It's like, dude, you are not fine. You guys are struggling. You need to slow down. Ah, oh, fine, I'm good, I got my shovel. Community, if we want to get past some things, we need community in our lives. And you gotta understand it takes time. Second thing. Second thing is accept empathy. I used to be an expert at raising kids until I had some kids. As a teenager, I was an expert in life <laughs> until I grew up. And now I'm kind of like, how do mom and dad know all that stuff? Like, oh my gosh, they, they were, I don't, I don't want to admit this. We will edit that one out of the video. I don't want to let them know. Like mom and dad, they were kind of smart. I don't know how they did some of this stuff. God understands. He knows what you're going through. So many times, the things in our lives that we hate, the things that, we, that are in our life that we despise, we naturally run from God. Read the very first account when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what? Did they, they ran. They hid. They clothed themselves. 
And what I want us to see is that we, these should actually be things that drive us to God, not run away from God. This is what the book of Hebrews said. It says, um, so then, since we have a great high priest, talking about Jesus, who's in heaven, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He's not saying, really? Are you kidding me? No, he understands. That is so huge. For he faced all of the same testings we do, but he did not sin. So let us come, say this next word with me, boldly, not timidly, to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, not condemnation. We will find his grace to help us when we need it the most. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what your disappointments are. I don't know what your mistakes are. I don't know where your failures are. But I do know a God who masters in resurrection and turning dead things to life. I know a God that can look at your situation that seems without hope, that seems so bleak, and he says, hey, I know it looks like there's a, there's a tomb for that thing, that there's a stone rolled over, but guess what? I master in rolling stones away. I rolled one when I, away when I died after the cross and was buried in the grave, and I rolled one away, and I still roll them away today. We have a Savior who loves you, who is not condemning you. He has a purpose for you, and he wants to redeem things in your life. He is that good. He understands what you're going through. He knows it. He loves you, he cares for you, and he values you, which is the last thing I want to cover. Accepting the fact that God understands where you're at and understanding the, the meaning of the word value. The meaning of the word value. Just, just on Friday, there was a, a, a rare uh, $1,000 bill in U.S. currency that was sold in an auction for $1,000. Uh, only one of two of these types of bills. It's called the Marcy Note, and it was sold in an auction. You want to know how much it went for? $1.82 million. $1.82. Now, what's crazy to me is, one, it's, it's a $1,000 bill. Granted, it's rare, but it's just $1,000. Two, if we really get down to it, it's paper and ink. Paper and ink, $1.82 million. Why is it worth that much? Why is it valued that high? Because that's what someone was willing to pay for it. There was a couple years ago, a Monet painting, water lilies, sold in an auction for over um, 80 some odd million dollars. Why would somebody pay for I mean, I go to the art museum sometimes and you see some of these things. It's like, it looked like somebody drank paint and then just threw it all up over a canvas and now it's worth millions. Like, I don't understand, I'm sorry. If you're an art historian, you probably wanna punch me in the face right now. Um, why? Because that's what someone was willing to pay. One of the most expensive cars ever bought and paid for, a Rolls Royce, $13 million, sold to a custom buyer. You can't buy it on the market. It's sold to a customer. Why? Because somebody was willing to pay the price for it. And when it comes to God, I don't care whether it is a $1,000 bill. I don't care if it's a painting, a car, or the person in the mirror. Value is determined by the price that somebody 
is willing to pay for it. And God paid it all. He gave his entire life for you. You need to understand that you have tremendous value in the eyes of God. No matter what they've said about you, no matter what you've done, no matter what you said about you, you have value. This is what, what Paul says in the book of Romans. He says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Get this, while, while we were still sinners. In the moment, God says, I love you anyway. We're almost like enemies right now, but I love you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Listen, this is what I came to say. If God doesn't condemn you, then he didn't create you to condemn you either. If God doesn't condemn you, then he didn't create you to condemn you either. We've had a, an anchor verse throughout this series where Jesus says, hey, you know, you know the saying. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy, right? And we're like, yeah, that would be awesome. Deal with the difficult people, just hate them, get revenge on them, get rid of them, dismiss them. He says, no, 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 not me. Not me, this is not how I work. Jesus flips, he says, hey, I say, love. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do you want a prayer? He says, pray for those who persecute you. Here's a powerful prayer that you can start praying. God, help me not to hate what you deeply love and what deeply matters to you, starting with me. Help me not to hate what you deeply love, starting with me. Help me not to hate what deeply matters with you, starting with me. If you're here today, and you want to be set free, and you're struggling with this today, you're like, I really do not like myself, and I struggle. It's okay. One, you're okay. But two, do me a favor. Do me a huge favor. Tell somebody today. Find someone that you know and you trust, and tell them. If you don't know anyone, and you don't, fill it out on your welcome card and say, Mike, just contact me later. I'd like to talk. I don't know. These things lose power when you speak them. You stuff them, they're going to stay and they're going to cycle. And you're like, I got this on my own. I'm fine. I got the shovel. I'm good. They lose their power when you start to speak these things out. I don't know how. I just know it does. I just know it does. And God doesn't condemn you. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And I highlighted in Jesus because it's only in Jesus that we have hope. It's only in Jesus that we can take these next steps. You, you can try to do it on your own power, and you will find out at the end of that road, you're going to come back again saying, i got to start over. In Jesus today. In Jesus today. Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a, a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.